Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 221. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zahner. And I'm Zook. Schmitty, you return. Yeah, actually, I'm calling it disguise, but we don't need to know that. <laughs> He's a transformer. He's a Decepticon. Colin, of course, is not able to join us. It turns out Schmitty killed him. To take his place. That's yeah, how it works. The weird thing is how it all went down. Him in his sleep, you sneaking in, wearing lingerie, very confusing. They said it was a ninja horrific. suit, okay? <laughs> you were in the wrong type of store. It was. It just, however, had some very convenient zippers. Um, it was sexy ninja. <laughs> you know, it's really bad. I'm sure there's a Halloween costume with that name on it. Oh, I'm sure there is, which is awesome. I'm always tired of them marginalizing my culture. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even keep a straight face. Hey, uh, well, we are um, Stolen Droids, and you know that already, but we're also brought to you by our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, Radio KSCR, and the incredible Herculean hosts at 4814 Web Hosting. It's 48-14.com. If you want anything web-related, go there. They're pretty freaking awesome. Also, um, if you want starships, and let's be honest, you want a starship, you should really go to Eagle Moss Limited. Take the banner at the top of StolenDroids.com. They'll hook you up. Special introductory offer for the first month. You can get yourself some Star Trek ships. Your wife will love them. (laughs) (laughs) Why are these on the fireplace mantle? What happened to my precious moments? My willow tree figurines. Well, I really thought the Tholian attack vessel would be better served there. Just saying. Defense turret, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, okay, we have a lot of headlines this episode. Why? Well, E3 so- came. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I'm, I gotta admit, I'm, I'm spoiling something right here, but I, this is the most I've been about anything that came out of E3 in years. Yeah. This, they came out with a lot. It's crazy how much content came out of the C3. I wasn't expecting a lot, so I wasn't really watching it a lot. And then after I missed a day, I was like, holy crap, they have a ton of stuff. So. A ton of stuff. So do we want to start off with that, or do we want to leave it toward the end? Are we starting with the veggies, or are we starting with dessert? Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think it matters. I think the whole show will be E3 anyway. I think it's... <laughs> let's just jump in. All right. Head, for, head first into those desserts instead of veggies. Um, yeah. So the very first part, it almost isn't even E3. They uh, they tried to lump it on... In, lump it on? Lump it in with it. Uh, but it's from YouTube. Google, of course, wasn't at E3, but they launched this at the beginning of it just to catch part of the the news cycle. They are building YouTube gaming. We talked about this. This was uh, when Google first took over YouTube. They actually talked about doing this, and it looks like they're now ready to pull the trigger on it. And this is kind of cool. Um, this is cool, and at the same time, I feel sort of redundant. The idea is that you'll be able to stream your games that you're playing. We're talking 60 frames per second, DVR recording of it if you want to, ultra-high definition. And it's YouTube, so it's already on every device you own. So it's really easy to access. That's cool. But, I mean, really, we talked about this months and months ago, remember? Yeah. Schmitty, you've used Twitch. You've watched people play Twitch. I still don't understand the whole 
Twitch movement, but I'll admit that I go back and I watch other people play games after the fact to see how they did something so I can do it, but I still don't understand the live streaming, but this just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're taking it one step further and launching a separate app called YouTube Gaming. Um, because, let's face it, if, if they put it just right on YouTube, stuff the content would be really hard to, <laughs> to find on its own. But the, the app itself will let you follow specific games or specific feeds, um, as, as regular YouTube does. Um, and it will notify you... Uh, like like Twitch does when you're when someone you're following starts streaming or if a game you're you're following uh, is streaming somewhere so uh, looks looks pretty good and for all those people that that enjoy watching other people this is for you <laughs> pretty good now something I hadn't considered but just now occurs to me okay we got Halo Five Guardians coming out right oh yeah um and of course three four three Studio and Microsoft want to sell a lot of copies of it which is kind of a given are we expecting this to like cut into game sales if i want to see the story and i want to see the cinematics but i don't have money for the game to sit there instead and watch someone else play it i, don't I think mean so. I, I know it's not the same don't get me wrong i right. know it's not the same but i i think i think it will happen opposite of of what you're thinking because yeah there there might be the people that that don't have the budget to go buy the game so they're going to sit there and drool over other people playing the game that that demographic is still not going to buy the game whether or not there's a a streaming app out there um but i think it will drive more people to buy the game because because they can see streaming content of it there are a few games i probably would not have purchased had it not been for the fact that i could go and watch someone playing it on twitch so it's I, i think it'll work in favor of game purchasing zoner your thoughts on this well, you know, you just mentioned something interesting, Schmitty, how you've purchased games because you saw somebody playing it. I remember the days, and this is a long time ago, of the arcade. You go and you watch somebody play a game, and you just stand there all day. Oh, yeah. I this got next. Is, <laughs> yeah, you put your quarter down, and and uh, this is basically the same thing, uh, only from the convenience of your home. And I had never considered it along those lines, but... I've bought games, and we all have, that just burned us for one reason or another. And actually being able to watch somebody play that game before you drop your 50 or 60 bucks is beneficial. And I had never considered using Twitch for that. So, I mean, I, I think just based on that alone, there's a lot of merit, yeah. a lot of value. Yeah, yeah. but the, the last two two games I bought, I went on to Twitch first and watched people play it. Um and uh, I, I would recommend that to anyone, even even if you don't like watching people play games. If you're considering buying a game, that's uh, it's better than watching a game trailer where they it's quote unquote real game footage. You know, what better real game footage is there by actually other than watching someone play? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, you know, you look at the at even the um, in-game footage that you see that the the game company's release it's all very contrived it it's yeah. all it's all made to look or to make the game look as good as possible which you know when you see some some 16 year old sitting there swearing and stuff cuz the game sucks 
yeah, it's probably because he's got a level of immaturity, but there is that, does this game really suck going? Yeah. I kind of wonder, taking this a different route, I mean, you guys bring up a lot of good points, and it's going to be kind of interesting to see how this plays out, but I'm actually sort of more interested to see if YouTube will take this opportunity to move more of the gaming videos that are already on YouTube over into this gaming area. Because how many, if you think about it, how many videos online are, hey guys, I'm just playing through this level, let me check this out, and, and it's almost a tutorial, or it's just them playing for no reason, or if it's it's a video of a mod. I'm not talking like the adaptations or the stories that they do, the machinima, but you yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're yeah. saying. That would be interesting if they if they lump those in with it. Uh, it yeah, I guess I guess we'll just have to see because they didn't say anything about it in in their blog post. But I can see where that'd be beneficial. You know, you're you're following, say, Call of Duty, and someone posts a new walkthrough on it that you wouldn't be able to find any other way. So that that would make sense. So it's a real interesting thing. It's nice to see them finally using the space. It's supposed to launch sometime this summer. Um, and if. If YouTube itself is any indication, it's not going to immediately blow up. It's going to take a little while for people to kind of get the get the feel of how to use it and what it's for, and then it'll blow up. Yeah. Well, especially <laughs> since already there's a huge community on Twitch. And and when I say community, I don't mean just streamers and just viewers. There's a whole community of, of even developers making third-party um, plugins and scripts and bots for Twitch. Uh, so it'll be hard to, to get that that viewership and that that community over to youtube um and 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 then again maybe not you know it, it's if everything is all central to google that mm-hmm. that might be a selling point <laughs> um moving over into some microsoft area now of course microsoft had a huge presence at e3 but i want to scale it back just a little bit to the corporate uh because they announced some major changes going into e3 beforehand and really none of it's gaming related they are doing a complete corporate shakeup. What does that mean? Well, remember how Stephen Elop uh, left Microsoft, went to Nokia, brought Nokia to Microsoft, and came back to Microsoft? He's gone. Um, yeah. He's just he's just out. Um, instead, uh, Terry Meyerson, who uh, was formerly the head of the operating systems at Microsoft, will now pick up everything in Windows. It's called the Windows and Devices Group. Uh, it's all Lumia, HoloLens, Surface, Xbox, um, Windows itself, I mean, it's everywhere. And they're also merging the Windows, sorry, the software and the hardware together. Now, that is pretty freaking awesome. And I know that doesn't sound awesome. And it doesn't sound like there should be any reason to be excited, but trust me, it is. I am old enough to remember how good Microsoft hardware was. And I know, Schmidt, you've brought it up. You used to have a Microsoft MN700 router. Yep. Um, we used to game on Microsoft Sidewinder game controllers. Microsoft made the best game controllers out there. This is before Logitech. This is before any of, uh, you know, uh, Mad Cats or Razer were out there. It was Microsoft all the way. Microsoft Mouses, which is proper grammar, which still drives me insane. But Microsoft <laughs> made awesome hardware, and it looks like they're trying to get back into that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So. No real reason to have Stephen Elop still on if this other guy's going to run all of it. Um, Scott Guthrie, uh, who uh, he's going to be taking, he already is on top of the cloud services. He's also going to be picking up engineering assets. So expect a lot more enterprise features to 
integrate themselves into the cloud services, which is kind of cool. Um, Kirill Tartardinov, I have no idea how to say that. He's out because he used to run Dynamics. Um, we got a new guy in charge of the education assets. Um, I don't know quite what. Yeah, I don't know quite what that means. I think it's trying to take on Apple in the education space. Um, Mark Penn is gone. Don't really know what he did in the first place. Don't know what he's going on to. I kind of get the feeling that he didn't really have much of a role there. But uh, yeah, not one that was outwardly facing. <laughs> yeah, he was their hitman. He was in charge of. Uh, he was a wet works operative. Um, <laughs> Janitor. <laughs> yeah, I. This is. We talked about it last week about when are we expecting to have to talk about Apple or Microsoft the same way we talk about BlackBerry now. Remember, we were talking about uh, the ex-BlackBerry CEO and how he was saying, yeah, things just stagnated too badly and things were just bad at BlackBerry. This is one of the reasons why I think we will never talk about Microsoft that way is because they aren't afraid of a little reorganization. And with, with that brings our E3 news. Now, before we get started... Um, obviously if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know, I'm a bit of a Microsoft fan. Okay. That shouldn't be real surprising then that I'm also an Xbox fan over PlayStation. I like both consoles. I just prefer Xbox. It's just my prerogative. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not a Nintendo fan. Schmitty, um, hasn't said it before, but he's pretty much solely in the Xbox camp. Yeah. It's honor. I like my Wii. No, actually, I I am more Xbox than PlayStation. Uh, I do have a Nintendo Wii, but that's only because it's more kid friendly games. Um, yeah, so I mean, if you feel if you because pe- let's be honest, people with their consoles are huge fanboys. There's a huge church devotion devoted to it, and we're going to get flack from them that we didn't give as much on the Sony side as we are about to on the Microsoft side. But frankly, Microsoft gave us more, in my humble opinion. They're definitely stepping up, yeah. Yeah. First things first, the Xbox One will now be backwards compatible with the Xbox 360 games. And the clouds parted, and the angels (laughs) sang, and beams of light came down upon Redmond. (laughs) (laughs) And people don't realize what a big big deal this was. I mean, when, I know. when Xbox One first came out and, and Microsoft was saying no backwards compatibility, the internet blew up asking why. Why not? Because PlayStation's doing it, so why can't you? Um, it's because people are stupid, and yeah. they don't understand how technology works. Exactly. And so even even still, even still, technically, Xbox 360 games are not playable on the Xbox One, which, which seems confusing because I just announced it, but this is all going to be done through emulators and um we all know how powerful microsoft's emulators are they've they've had them like since windows 7 you had windows xp mode which ran through emulators and so everything backwards compatible in the microsoft universe is done through virtual machines and emulators so it's pretty cool it's very cool. The most infuriating thing I heard about this on the internet afterwards is like, oh, finally, Microsoft was just being lazy and didn't want to launch it, give it to us at launch. So now that we've all bought an Xbox One, now they're finally giving it to us. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think you understand how this technology thing works. Yeah, you're right. It runs on electricity, but there's more to it than that. Um, <laughs> the hardware, 
that it takes. Okay, let's put it this way. Let's say that you, our listener, have no idea about anything about technology. I'm going to assume that's untrue because you've probably been listening to us for a while, but but bear with me, okay? I have this program that was built for an Amiga, and I really want to run it on my Google Wear. It is so dumb that Google doesn't let me run my Amiga program on my Google Wear. How lazy are they that they don't let that happen? Well, duh. Obviously, it's not going to run. They're a completely different platform, completely different hardware, different programming language. One was never supposed to run on the other. They're worlds apart. And it's kind of dumb to think that between one version of the Xbox and the next version of the Xbox. But remember that the Xbox 360 is 10 years old and it was running on architecture that's 15 years old. You know, there is a reason why the Xbox games run on the Xbox 360. They had compatible architecture. Xbox One, completely incompatible. So what Schmitty said is absolutely right. Microsoft had to figure out how to build an emulator to run those apps and not just run them, run them fast enough that you didn't see a major delay in it. Because I have run an emulator. I tried to run some N64 games on a computer that wasn't capable of doing it. It was painful. Yeah. I was playing Mortal Kombat Trilogy, uh, the N64 edition, on my Xbox using a, uh, a soft-modded emulator. And it was unplayable. <laughs> so. Yeah. So this is really cool news. Yeah. You know what's even cooler? <laughs> Well, and you know, so so before you go into that, oh. when, I, when I when I first heard about this, um, you know, we've been hearing for a long time that that Xbox One apps are going to be streamable to Windows Ten devices. So as soon as I heard about this, I said, "Wow!" So that means I can play. Not only can I play Xbox three sixty three sixty games on my Xbox One, but now I can stream them. I should be able to stream them to my Windows Ten device. And then the next day, they released Windows. The, 10 will be able to stream Xbox 360 games directly from the 360. Aw, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is just so utterly cool. Oh, and, and this isn't even a theoretical coming soon. They basically said, if you have the developer preview system, if you have a preview program installed, you're already able to do it. Congratulations. <laughs> so, yeah, so not only are you able to stream them from your Xbox One, now the Xbox 360 itself can stream to Windows 10. And uh, everyone rejoiced. Oh, no, no. Not just yet. We got one more thing. <laughs> okay, so Xbox One can stream to your Windows 10 device. Xbox 360 can stream to your Windows 10 device. That's all great. And a week ago, we talked about how Oculus Rift had a partnership with Windows and Microsoft. Hey, that sounds like, oh, yep, there it is. Xbox 360 games can be streamed through Windows 10 to your Oculus device. Boom. Head blown. <laughs> Sorry, mind blown. <laughs> there is a subtle say. difference. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference there, too. That's going to make uh, Dance Dance Revolution a little more surreal. <laughs> I don't have to be in my underwear anymore for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't have to from location. <laughs> I, I just... I. Mass Effect in VR. Oh, that would be sweet. I already have immersion problems with Mass Effect. I start playing it, and I'm dreaming about it for the next month solid. Okay? Heck, um, Hexic or Peggle in 3D. <laughs> now, is this going to be fully immersive, or is this going to be 
an image of you sitting on a couch in front of a virtual television playing the game. Like no, no, World, no. Of, World of Warcraft? <laughs> it's not HoloLens. It's Oculus Rift. So it's going to be full immersive. It's interesting you should bring it up, though, because Microsoft did have an E3 display there with their HoloLens technology. And I sent you guys videos of it where they had you walking into the UNSC Infinity from Halo 4 with a HoloLens on your head. And it had Waypoint set up. And it had a virtual briefing room table. And they could give you a holographic representation of a hunter and the different parts of the ship and brief you that way. And people said it was absolutely the way they've built the entire experience it almost didn't break the disbelief. There was only one part that one person uh, had issue with, with the disbelief, and it was because of the uh, distance between where they were to the table. But the future is here, people. It's so awesome. And I'm sorry, Microsoft is the one bringing it to you. So all you haters can just have fun back there in your Windows XP days. We're heading to the future. (laughs) I mean... Every single day was another squee moment brought to us by Microsoft. You know, one one app that I hope that I hope is uh, included in the backwards compatibility is the uh, app that allows for Xbox original games backwards compatibility on the 360, which means I'll be able to play my original Xbox games on my Xbox One as well. Mm-hmm. So ho- hopefully that they they haven't mentioned that, but that's one thing I. I hope is part of that. Isn't that a weird... This is a weird thing that we're talking about here. We're talking about generational gaming now. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) Because SSX3, the snowboarding game, it's an original Xbox title that I'd be able to potentially not just play it, but play it on my Xbox One in virtual reality. Yep. And have it work the exact same way that you remember it on the Xbox original. Yeah, and this isn't a remake. This isn't like they remastered it to the new version. This is the same freaking disc. That's that's mind-boggling when you think about it. I can't... I, I hope I am expressing myself properly. This is truly amazing. Um, so, yeah. Take that, everyone else. Um, <laughs> that's not fanboy speak there. Well, Sony came out with some stuff, too. And I'm willing to bet that, frankly, I'm just not part of this audience. Because everything they came out with was just kind of... Eh. Eh. Um, game stuff, yeah. Well, okay, so... Years ago, there was a game in development that looked amazing and mind-blowing in terms of its gameplay and its graphics and it was going to change the face of gaming it was called the last guardian and it never came out i remember thinking that uh, i was going to buy a playstation because of it yeah it was supposed to be just uh, mind-blowingly awesome in epic and its scope and its gameplay everything was going to be incredible and then it never came out ever until this year when it was announced it is finally coming out and they showed us a bit of gameplay footage and maybe i've moved on as a gamer or maybe things have changed i don't i can't quite remember but i watch this and i go i am not interested in this at all now sorry go ahead Shmini. no yeah i i, I was going to say that i had the same response I'm, the first time we saw footage from it was what 3 years ago and back then it was it was awe-inspiring, but now it's just like, 
meh, either either because we've seen it before and it's been so long, or it just doesn't live up to you know today's expectations anymore. So yeah, I this is it. and this is a real tricky spot that game developers get into. There's the ever famous story of Daikatana um, from Ion Storm that was supposed to just blow away all other first person shooters, but it took three times as long as it was supposed to, to be developed. It took twice as much in terms of budget. By the time it finally re- launched. It was already outdated and using a game engine that was three years in the past. And it was just, it's the biggest joke. It's still rated as one of the worst games of all time. I don't think this is a Daikatana moment. I really don't. I think partially, I'm just simply not a fantasy adventurer like this. I like my interfaces. I like my heads-up displays. I like the simulation aspect of gaming. I don't want to play a little kid in a toga screaming at this monstrous freak that is supposed to look feathered and textured and just comes across looking blurry to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that ethereal ethereal surrealism that a lot of games are trying to put into it uh, to, to kind of give that more of a fantasy feel. You, you start seeing uh, there's at least a dozen dozen games now on the market that... Uh, have that I, I don't i don't get the appeal but it's hey, hey if, but i'll put it this way if you were looking forward to the last guardian awesome it's coming out it's coming i out. can't wait for it to not even make a dent yeah and it's coming out <laughs> uh for windows as well so, so yeah do you think that this is just going to be a complete bust kind of like duke nukem was where there was so much buildup over so many years and then people finally got it and they're like this was would have been awesome 12 years ago. Yeah. I kind of do, if only because, I mean, all we've seen of this entire game is this beautiful vision of this young boy and this griffin. A, a huge griffin. This huge <laughs> griffin, yeah. And the interaction between them. We've seen it now for three years. We yeah. haven't seen anything more. We don't know what the kid's name is. We don't know what the story is. There may not be one. And a beautiful vision isn't enough to build an entire game off of. Yeah. Sorry, I misspoke. It is not coming out for Windows in 2016. I, I misread a sentence there. <laughs> ah. Um, well, scrolling down, um, there is another new game coming uh, from the guys who made Killzone, Guerrilla Games. Um, I'm just going to read this word for word from IGN. The trailer features a woman exploring a cave full of paintings and ancient areas as a narrator retells the history of humankind and how civilization crumbled. Nature reclaimed the earth, tribes ascended, learning to hunt, creating new technologies, and rebuilt a civilization forged out of futuristic tech and primitive ways. Sentient technology has evolved too, creating life forms that resemble animals. You can see them in the trailer below, but some look like birds while others more closely resemble dinosaurs. It's called Horizon Zero Dawn. I gotta ask, um, is PlayStation just like an indie art film now? Because it seems like every <laughs> single game that's being announced looks beautiful. Technologically, it looks like a masterpiece. I won't lie, it looks gorgeous. But it also doesn't look like anything I'd ever play. Well, Hitman is back. Yes, this is true. And so, I mean, they got that going for them. Yeah. I, I, I don't know... <laughs> I will admit that Hitman is not my favorite series. I know it's a good one, and if you're a Hitman fan, you're excited for this, and it looks good. It does look good. Hitman does look good. Yeah. 
Um, oh, we can get more Street Fighter Five. Yes. Okay, moving on. Um, another one that's about dreams. Are you talking about the Final Fantasy one or no, like- no, no? Uh, the guys who made Little Big Planet, uh, they're going to be uh, uh, yes. making a new one called Dreams. Uh, I'm going to quote again here. Players can use the DualShock 4 to sketch in a surreal landscape, creating objects and characters which can also be animated using the DualShock 4. The trailer shows an old man coming to life, playing the piano, but also polar bears, robots flying in a futuristic landscape, and zombies fighting teddy bears. It's quite to explain, okay? So maybe it's best to watch the trailer for yourself. (laughs) That explains my dreams. (laughs) It's an art film on acid. (laughs) <laughs> now we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that they did believe and i don't see this in the notes here but i believe that they announced they're remaking final fantasy 7 yes mm-hmm. it's actually further down um okay uh and again we're just linking to the ign article that very conveniently puts all of the sony announcements there i mean to be fair i know i said that we're microsoft fanboys and we're really excited about what microsoft is giving us uh sony announced a lot yeah there was a well, lot of announcements. Not just Final Fantasy VII Remake, but also World of Final Fantasy was announced. Um, Is that like World of World of Warcraft? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, it's, it's an MMORPG, but in the Final Fantasy universe. Um, and it'll be available for the PS4 and the PS Vita. Uh, I know quite a few people that are excited for that one. So Now, I'm going to catch flack from this, because I know a lot of people are kind of fanatical about Final Fantasy. I played Seven. I liked 7. It was on the original PlayStation. I played it on PC. It came on five CD-ROMs. Um, and it was good. For what it was, it was good. It was the first Final Fantasy I could actually connect to. And I believe I'm not alone in that. I think that's the reason why it still lasts, why people just love it. It's the first one that uh, that Americans can connect to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but seriously, are they just incapable of making anything since then? Well, Final Fantasy XI was was a huge success, and there are people people that are still religiously playing that. Well, and by religiously, I mean yeah, the the, the people of the Final Fantasy cult. <laughs> so, I guess that that has something. But, to okay, say so we had Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII released on PC. Um, Advent Children, which is the movie they made specifically for Final Fantasy VII, um, they brought it back one other time then, and now they're bringing it back again. I, it, it kind of, at, at a certain point, it just has to be left to sit on its own, to stand on well, its you, own. You know, if that well's not running dry, though, why not keep going back for a drink? I guess. I guess. <laughs> that that's, that's their mentality, though, and it drives me insane. I want stuff that's fresh. I want stuff that's new and exciting, not something that came out 15, 20 years ago, remade. And I got to admit here, and I'm going to catch flack again, but it honestly feels like many of Sony's announcements are going back to the well. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, I like the Hitman series. Hitman, not a new thing. They've got uh, a new Uncharted. uh, What is it? Uncharted 4. A Thief's End. Excellent game series. Not a new thing, though. I mean. New Destiny download content. So, uh, and I'm sorry. I, I try and get into Destiny. I'm really loyal to Bungie. I love their games. Destiny feels like someone decided to take Halo and drop it into a Final Fantasy world. Yeah, <laughs> that's, 
I mean, and, and watch the trailer. It's a two and a half minute trailer. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. It's like Master Chief is getting his his, uh, his limit break coming up. <laughs> Master Chief with force powers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that I've said that out loud, I want to play that game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If you one thing I noticed and take this for what you will, maybe it's just a difference in philosophy. Microsoft's announcements mainly centered around how the console is changing and how they're going to change the way games are delivered to you. And Sony's announcements seem to be very much what games they're going to be coming out with. Well, no, there was an entire segment of Microsoft games that were coming out. They just didn't focus on that as much as their hardware. So they had Halo 5. Um, I saw one for the next Fable, Fable 4. Um, And I'm going off of memory here, which is not really good. Uh, Forza Motorsport 6. Holy cow, we're up to 6 already. That looked beautiful, but... I haven't even played 5 yet. Yeah. I stopped playing 5 to play Forza Horizons 2. And I'll probably stop playing Forza Horizons 6 to play Forza Horizon 3. Or No, you you said that right. Okay. (laughs) Well, at least, I mean, at at least Sony is better than Nintendo. Because it was almost like they kind of forgot that E3 was coming up. And they did a huge press release on all the games they had already announced in their press releases before. So Nintendo fans were left going, yeah, okay, we've already seen that. Yeah, okay, you announced that a year ago. Yeah, okay, no one wanted that. And you're all puppets. What? They had anything new for us? (laughs) Yeah, they had nothing new, and they did the entire announcement as puppets. And when I say puppets, I mean like they had the entire crew of Star Fox, except for Slippy, because, or Skippy, because let's face it, it's Skippy, and the executives of Nintendo as puppets. Hmm. We're not angry, Nintendo. We're just disappointed. And confused. <laughs> um, in other news, and this is a PS4 game, but it's also going to be coming to PC, um, this made some pretty big waves at E3. Uh, Elon Musk was so busy playing it, he, uh, he he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to stop playing it. Um, it's called No Man's Sky. Imagine taking the best of EVE Online, crossing it with Grand Theft Auto, and then crossing it again with Minecraft. And that's what we're looking at here. It's a universe that you get to explore. You get to fly around and explore and do whatever you want. But the entire universe is procedurally generated, which means that it just keeps going. And it's not just the universe. You can land on a planet, and the planet is procedurally generated. You could spend 80 years playing this game, exploring one planet. And the life on the same it, content twice. <laughs> yeah. The, the life on it, the, how it looks, its atmosphere, the sounds the life makes, whether or not you find any relics, it's all... It's all generated at will. You can bookmark areas and go back to them and visit them again. It's just so huge. Honestly, I think someone has managed to harness black magic to make this game when you consider the fact that it can run on a PlayStation 4 or your PC and yet is pretty much infinite. It's like you're playing in a Mandelbrot set. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the power of procedural, procedurally generated content is huge. When you consider that, uh, in order to get the vastness of the of the galaxy like they have here, they don't have to have all that information stored up front. They only generate that content 
when you go to that that particular planet or that particular part of the galaxy. So you don't need terabytes of space to hold this. It it only generates it as you go, which is pretty brilliant. It's incredibly brilliant. I wonder if there's any room for multiplayer in this game because to be perfectly honest, if it's single player only, it's going to feel very lonely. Yeah. It this seems like it would only work well as a massively multiplayer online game. I mean, like you mentioned Eve. Can you imagine if Eve content were like this? Exploration would be crazy. If you set out with with five other friends and just... I mean, that that, that to me would be the ultimate game. It, it really would. Um, I'd never unplug. Versus... <laughs> and I'm serious. I mean, maybe I'm just an old fogey now, but I'm serious. If you're the only one in this infinite universe, that is kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah. You know, though, it's interesting you say you'd never unplug. We've already got Koreans dying like crazy. <laughs> Do we really need to introduce something like this into their culture where they're just going to sit in a cafe for days and days on end until they have to pull out their corpses? I really want to know that because at some point someone is going to come across just that random number that got genera- that got put into the generator and come across just the weirdest, like, like Princess, yeah, Princess Unikitty's uh, place, whatever it was called in the Lego movie. <laughs> like they're going to come across a planet that looks like that. That's just, it was just the right number that got put into the generator. It came out all weird, all wrong. <laughs> Mathematically speaking, it has to be true. It has to happen. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> All right, that is our E3 news. Again, if we missed something you really wanted us to cover, feedback at StolenDroids.com. Don't use the forum on our site. I recently followed up with uh, Glue and Ruffs and everyone else's feedback and Pug Ninjas. Yeah, I guess our forum is kind of broken. I need to fix that, so just send us the email. Feedback at StolenDroids.com, 801-917-GEEK. Is that why you never respond to my feedback? No, I don't respond to your feedback because I don't care. I've been sending so much hate Fair enough. Fair um, enough. So, into our other news. Uh, we still have a lot. We're probably not going to get to all of it, but we got some really interesting stuff happening in the other world of tech. For one, Uber. Uber, we have talked about in the past. Uh, ride sharing is not new news. We've, um, I know friends who have taken it. Schmitty, you have friends who have taken it. I believe, uh, Zonor, you said you have people who have taken ride sharing as well. Well, um, yeah. U- Uber has always had the line that. It's just they're just there to set you up with someone who's going to give you a ride, and that's all it is. Which is why they don't need to hold insurance on them or liability or whatnot because they're not employees. They don't represent Uber. California says otherwise. They are saying that because Uber has provided many things, including providing phones for many people and telling them when to go on shift and when to go off shift, that constitutes that they're an employee. So, um. From here on out, at least in the state of California, Schmitty, I think your mic's off, um, Uber has to treat people as employees, including benefits, fair wages, um, guaranteed hours. I mean, yeah. This kind of kills their whole model. Well, it feels like they were abusing the model, if I'm being perfectly blunt. I'm not against ride sharing um, or, or anything blank sharing, right? crowdfunding, ride sharing, uh, space sharing, like Airbnb, they're all based out of the same idea of people giving freely what they're going to give anyway. This is just a service to kind of connect you. 
But we keep hearing things coming out of Uber like they're they've been abusing the system, the system they built. They've been abusing it pretty heavily. Well, you know, and along those lines of are they employees? What can they have the drivers do? What can they dictate to the people who use their service? A couple days ago, they came out and said, we now have a strict no firearms policy. Even if you are licensed to carry a firearm, you cannot do so if you are an Uber driver. And so that right there kind of falls into that. Well, if you're telling me that I cannot do something, that it's more of an employee re- employer relationship right. than it is. You don't own my yeah. car. You don't own the gun. And, you know, you don't really say anything else. So how can you claim this? Yeah, it, yeah. Kind of, it seems like there needs to be another uh, another classification. You know, we have we have employer, we have contractor, we have uh, you know a couple other designations of, of of someone working for someone else. It kind of seems like this needs an, its own classification because we're seeing more and more of it, not just Uber. Um, you know, Amazon recently has uh, announced their thing about allowing people to uh, ship for them, and uh, so I mean, like there, there's there's a lot of a lot more of this going on and it's going to just keep ramping up in the future. It almost seems like, you know, someone needs to step in and classify this as something else, make m- new rules about it. Not, not to sound like a douche. Um, but it's almost like someone should come in and create some kind of regulated system that can license these people and make sure there's a fair working condition and a fair rate of recompense. <laughs> um, and, you know, some sort of state issued license that could go out to these people that said that they are registered drivers. And that way they could even switch between Uber or Lyft or, or, or any other rideshare service that comes up. Oh, wait, it's called the taxi service. <laughs> right. But that's, you know, that's not what I meant. I know that's not what you meant, but it's it, it's kind of funny to me, this back and forth between all of, what should we even call it? This generation's fun share, ride share, uh, bed share. Uh, that, that sounds weird. I don't want to call it bed share. Let's not call it bed share. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's space sharing. That yeah. kind of communal setup. And people like to go to that because they don't like having all the rules and the regulations and the inconvenience of all these super restrictive, regulated, and confined old world models of hotels and funding and getting rides, right? And I get that. But then they have all these problems that pop up. Because people willy people. (laughs) Yeah. And they're all problems that are solved by going to the more rigid old world model. Who'd have thunk? Yeah. And I I get that. Yeah. It's just kind of funny and not mildly ironic. <laughs> yeah, we keep we keep uh, relating it to like the wild wild west. And how, how was the wild wild west tamed by bringing but, civilization into yeah, it, right? By, by killing up regulations and borders and and uh, when when we're starting to classify these uh, these new technologies as the wild wild west, well, that's the only way we can fix it is to regulate them. But but I, I was I was trying to take it a step further and saying that. On top of employee and contractor, we should have another classification that puts these guys in a different category so a state or a government can't come in and say what they can and can't do. I mean, despite the fact that Uber is being unfair to to their drivers, there are other um, companies that that are being good to their, to their employees. So, yeah, this is true. This is true. And I don't, don't bother writing in. I'm not so naive as to think that 
people there's a perfect system where people can't take advantage one way or another i know there's always going to be that you know there's always going to be a way for a, a company to take advantage or advantage of its contractors or employees or freelance agents or whatever we end up calling them but there's also ways for the drivers to take advantage of the company and the drivers so um in other ironic news um Remember Verizon's Fios internet system? It's the super fast one that's only in a handful of cities. And uh, we've always kind of lamented about how they're nowhere else. New York is actually citing uh, Verizon and criticizing them, saying that their internet service isn't moving so fast, in that it's not expanding as quickly as it said it was going to. Um, so uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio... Uh, he originally said in 2013, he called out Verizon. He was working with as a city's public advocate and running for mayor. Uh, he railed against them for their slow progress. And here they are two years later, and they're still no farther. And this is happening where Google Fiber is able to roll out and say, hey, this year, how about this city gets it now? And now this city gets it. Like they're just rolling the dice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah they're almost like throwing darts. But... <laughs> And I'm not trying to say that Google is able to say, hey, tomorrow morning, everyone will have fiber because it still takes time to get into the ground. It takes time to do all that. But they're moving out pretty fast. I was going to say, well, if Google can do it, why, uh, why can't Verizon do it? But that, I just answered my own question. It's it's because it's Google. <laughs> so, Well, and so also, fortunate. Google is going into cities that have, from what I can tell anyways, somewhat of an established infrastructure. Yeah. Whereas Verizon is saying, look, we've done all we can do. We can't get into the buildings that don't have service because the no landlords there. won't give us access. Yeah. And so, I mean, as much as I am not a big fan of Verizon, I, I don't hate them, but I'm not a fan of theirs by any stretch of the imagination either. From what it sounds like, they're trying to do what they can do and, you can only do so much. Yeah. I think it would have been wiser for them to simply not promise anything to New York City. <laughs> I, that sounds mean. It sounds like I'm making a joke. But New York City no, I, is the most populated and true. densest city in America. Okay? You have architecture there going from a week ago to 200 years ago. Yeah, you have subways. fiber infrastructure is not that easy. Yeah, it is not simple in the slightest. I think Verizon should have gone everywhere else. And when New York was the last city on mainland America that didn't have fiber internet and was screaming for it, the city itself would have incentivized it to the landlords and the tenants and the landowners. See, by then, Facebook Skynet will have taken over. and It doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> New York is the only safe haven because there's no internet there. <laughs> We don't even get 4G in the buildings. <laughs> you know, and having been employed by companies that were contracted to the government, I love the first comment that I see on this article that we link to. He, he says, I suppose de Blasio wants Verizon to move at the efficient speed of government. That right there is so true. <laughs> I think it's so ironic that the government is saying that private industry is doing things too slowly. Yeah, that's a real low blow. I mean, that, that is. it's like, I, I know you don't, you don't have to take Verizon's side. You don't have to hate them. You don't have to love them. But look, I think Verizon, you could speed it up just a little bit. I, I mean, just saying, could you make it up to Hoboken? Hoboken? How do you say that? In Jersey? Make it that far. <laughs> right oh, now, we could tell that you're 
never spending time on the east coast uh no east coast people you're, you're weird to me but seriously i mean i think verizon would have a better leg to stand on if they could say look we've made it up to the hudson okay we've made it that far it's you at this point we've done everything but as it is right now verizon can't say they're within 20 miles of the city and it's <laughs> kind of like well maybe you can move a little faster um so swift key Android app for uh, you guys love it. You guys use it. I don't Keyboard. understand yep, why, yeah. but uh, it's it's great. It was the originator of the Swift key typing, where you didn't have to lift your finger. If you want to type the, you just put on T and then drag it down to H and up to E, and the system knows you are hitting the. It turns out there was a security flaw that by the time you're hearing this has already been addressed, uh, but it was affecting about six hundred million samsung owners and it was oh geez what was it even doing here it's mainly hitting uh, samsung galaxy s6s right yeah uh seems like there was an insecurity of the way it loaded languages because it would load lang- your language uh before any any security layer so you could in effect, if you were a good enough hacker, you could get into the system through the language setting, I guess. So even I don't even understand what was going on here, but that's yeah. that's the best I can do. And it is worth pointing out that it's not SwiftKey having the problem, but rather how Samsung implemented SwiftKey. Uh, now, since this has come out, Samsung is already put out a new fix. It should be going across uh, the board here. So if you have a Samsung phone, it's worth running some system updates here to see if uh, you have something worth downloading and installing. Yep. Top tip. Um, the FCC. You remember how last week, well, Schmidt, you wouldn't because you were coughing up an esophagus, but uh, the FCC was told I by... that. <laughs> AT&T said, hey, we're willing to uh, maybe follow this law of yours if you let us merge with DirecTV. Which, again... Uh, I know I said it before. I'm going to say it again. That's a weird thing to tell a law enforcement agency. I know the FCC isn't technically a law enforcement agency, but they still put out these rules and regulations. But to act like you have any say in whether or not you're going to follow it is kind of funny to me. uh, The FCC responded by fining them $100 million for their misleading unlimited data plans, which are a direct violation of even the previous version of net neutrality. Uh, in the previous filing, net neutrality had a whole lot of stuff that was appealed and thrown out. This was in 2010. But they did not throw out the one that says Internet providers need to clearly tell subscribers about data speeds and other details of their service. AT&T didn't, saying, hey, you have unlimited data. Isn't that awesome? By the way, we're going to cap your speed when you hit one gigabyte. Hope you don't mind. Okay, thanks. So when people are hitting their data cap... All of a sudden, their wonderful 4G speed dropped to 512 kilobits a second for the rest of the month. Which isn't enough to stream a YouTube video, by the way. Just saying. It's barely enough to get your email. Now, (laughs) I'm on T-Mobile, and T-Mobile does the same thing. What the difference is, T-Mobile tells you. Yeah, I remember when I switched over from Verizon with my unlimited data, truly unlimited, allegedly, to uh, T-Mobile, that was made very clear. We will cap your speeds at this. Once you hit here, this is what you can expect. So, yeah, good on AT&T for screwing up. Yeah. Maybe they're still hoping the FCC will turn the other way. 
they're probably trying to pay someone off. That's my, that's my hey, guess. FCC, we'll, we'll be willing to consider following your law of net neutrality if you let us to not pay this fine we've gotten for violating another part of net neutrality. What do you say? Huh? Does that sound fair? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Sprint, Sprint went and done a good one, though. Yeah, Sprint went and said, oh, oh, this is, um, this is happening. Okay, let's, uh, let's just stop throttling. And they voluntarily opted to stop throttling uh, their data speeds. So good on them. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure their 12 customers appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sprint. Everyone hates you and no one knows why. <laughs> Are they the new BlackBerry? I don't know. I, I don't think so, but man, they're sure going nowhere fast. Which is funny because I'm on T-Mobile and it's T-Mobile's still smaller than Sprint, but it feels like T-Mobile's doing more. Yeah. It does. Well, you know, it's interesting because with Sprint, I mean, for years and years, every time I would go to upgrade my cell phone plan uh, when my contract was up, I would always look at Sprint. And what they offered for the price was just so ridiculous that, no. I'm not paying that, and I would stay with Verizon or or whomever. And I think that a lot of that mentality, even though they may actually be competitive and they may not suck like they did 15, 20 years ago, I think a lot of that may have jaded people like myself to where we just don't give them a fair shake. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, Moving in towards the end of our headlines here, we got some fun Apple stuff. Um, oh, this one's painful. This is, this is making me hungry for candy apples. That's all this headlines do. Yeah, what is with that picture? <laughs> They've got these pictures of, of all these very colorfully candied apples, purple and blue, and, and now I'm just hungry for a candied apple. Yeah, I have no idea what this has to do with the story, <laughs> but whatever. Um, okay, so six months ago, a team of researchers were able to um, put a um, put an app up onto the Apple App Store. Um, it was just totally malicious, 100% malicious, and it somehow got through the vetting process. That's weird, right? Well, once it got installed onto a Mac, it then went through and completely scrubbed through your keychain. So every password you had stored in that thing, it was able to read and send back to their home office. Chrome passwords, app passwords, the Mac itself passwords. And considering that all Apple um, aficionados like to tell people, oh, well, we can't get malware unless you enter in the administrative password. Well, guess what? <laughs> this app did it, and it then sent that password everywhere. Well, this was six months ago, and Apple has a uh, policy saying, hey, when you report a, uh, a security breach like this, please give it six months before publishing it anywhere else so we have time to try and fix it, which is fair, I think. It's definitely no Google Project Zero, Um which, again, is nowhere to be found on this. But Apple never responded. Apple hasn't fixed it still. They haven't addressed it at all. So you can still do this. So go Mac. <laughs> oh, so many jokes. Okay. It, I mean, at this point, it's shooting fish in a barrel when it comes to taking wisecracks at their security. Mm-hmm. Let's go one step further, and let's make cracks on the Apple Watch 2. Um, they have announced the feature list for it. They plan on having a new front-facing FaceTime camera, so you can look awkward talking to your wrist. Um, <laughs> Big Tracy style. Look, I, I'm not going to lie. I know Samsung does this already in the gear, 
it looks weird there too. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't look right no matter who's doing it. Uh, it's going to have an iPhone free Wi-Fi mode. That is definitely a change from the previous one that required pairing to your iPhone. That's going to be interesting to see how that changes things. And they're going to uh, be promising many more models in the over $1,000 range, which of course is exactly what everyone was calling for. Yeah. You know, because who doesn't want to spend a, a couple G's on there? We felt the $17,000 model was far too affordable. So we're going to raise everything up and put everything into the over $1,000 range. <laughs> what? Innovative. Innovative. That's innovative pricing there, my friends. They're going to innovate the crap out of it by even giving it the exact same battery as the previous one. Yay. Yeah. I, I do have to ask about the, you know, the, the Wi-Fi, the, the iPhone free feature now. Um, because all of the apps on the Apple Watch are very heavily dependent on the iPhone. So well, what is it going to do? I mean, you you can untether it from your iPhone. Yay, now you get the time away. F- you can tell time away from your iPhone now. Like, what else can it do? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. And they don't really know either. Even in this article in 9to5Mac, they're not really sure either. But this will be able to uh, enable the whole Find My Watch feature, remember? Because you could steal an an Apple Watch and not track it. This way you'll finally be able to track it. There you go. So I guess that's a plus. It's a plus that costs you $600. Hope you enjoy it. All right, into our favorites this week. Um, Mine does come from E3. My favorite game has a new one coming out in the series, and it's Mass Effect. Mass Effect Andromeda. Makes sense. They're in a new galaxy. You have a whole new area to explore. Very little has been shown of it in terms of gameplay, but it's a real fun trailer. The Mako makes a reappearance, a really cool version of the Mako. Um, I I squeed. I (laughs) I wet myself a little, and then I watched it again and again and again. And again, you should too. And finally, he just started watching it on the toilet because he got tired of pissing himself. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, is it my turn now? <laughs> it's your turn. So out of practice. <laughs> uh, my favorite uh, is a, uh, uh, a re- it's called Real GTA. It's a, uh, someone's adaptation of what GTA looks like, but in real life. And they did a really good job of it, including all the camera motions and down to the guy's walk, like how how he walks. Uh, it's 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 really cool. If you if you like GTA, check it out. And I am a child of the '80s. I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger growing up. His movies were among my favorites, and he decided to help promote the Terminator. Uh, Genesis film while also doing some good for charity and so he kind of dressed up as Terminator and hung out in Hollywood visited Madame Tussauds hung out on the on what is that the Walk of Fame uh, the, with the stars I don't know but you know what I'm talking about but people didn't realize that it was him until he actually started speaking and having fun with them. And this was a lot of fun to watch, and it really made me wish that I could have that sort of interaction with one of my childhood heroes. Uh, So check it out. It's very entertaining. Very fun. My favorite part is when he's uh, freaking people out by pretending to be a wax statue. 
Yes, it's awesome. I would love somebody to do that to me, especially him. <laughs> well, that is our show this week. Again, please let us know what you're thinking. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Drop us a line or follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Plus us on Google+. Plus. Um, and just let us know what you're thinking, what you want to hear more of, what we may have missed and pissed you off on. Just saying. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.